Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you remember the first time your thoughts were turned to evil things? He plies me with caresses, lustful, obscene. He enters my bed at night and takes from me that which is consecrated to my divine right, God Jesus Christ. And what form does his incubus take? <laughs> Who is responsible for this evil possession? But of course I can prove nothing. This Mother Superior may be little more than a hysterical nun. But if it is a genuine case of possession by devils, and if Grandier himself was proved to be involved, then yes, I think it bears investigation, gentlemen. You've been a magician. I'd come with good devils. You face eternal damnation. Conjecture is useless. We need a professional witch hunter. We must send for Father Barre.
beside the radiance of his majesty. I have been a man. Hi, welcome to Horror vs. Reality. I'm your host, Anastasia, and with me as always is my co-pilot, Morgan. Hello! Hello, Morgan. So, we're fresh off of a vacation. Yes. We got to see each other in person for the first time in seven and a half years. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty magical. Yeah, we uh, just spent a lot of time in the cemetery, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) <laughs> best place to be uh yeah we saw a bunch of deer and we'll talk about it more after the content of the episode but today's episode is 1971's the devils versus grandier uh the wrong grandier yes yes and the devils of ludon <laughs> So, this movie was considered highly controversial at the time. It's actually still considered highly controversial, mostly because, um, you know, there's a lot of highly blasphemous to the Catholic Church imagery and to Christianity and stuff like that. So it's controversial because it upsets Christians, mostly. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, Yeah, mostly that. That's mostly Mm -hmm. why. I mean, there's also just, like, perverse nudity and stuff too and masturbation yes this masturbation and um so morgan did you see have you okay so here's the thing there are multiple different cuts of this movie and i know that the one on shutter is one cut and then there's um so there's different versions did you see the version where it's insinuated that a nun masturbates with grandier's charred femur bone i think so Okay. I don't. I watched it twice, like two months ago. Right. <sighs> well, I rewatched it. I did rewatch it again, so it was fresher in my memory after our vacation. We tried to watch it on vacation, and I was really just falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was a tired lady. <laughs> Big day. Okay, so, um, yeah, we'll get into all the controversy and stuff like that. But of course, first, we'll talk about the director and the cast, as per usual. Per usual. Yeah. <laughs> so this was directed by Ken Russell, who is a controversial director himself. So it's not a big shock that this is one of his most controversial. He was a British film director known for his pioneering work in television and film and for his flamboyant and, as I said, controversial style. After some career setbacks early on, Russell began making biographies for the BBC on famous composers, notably Claude Debussy, with Oliver Reed starring as Debussy. This was the beginning of a recurring creative partnership between the two men, and Russell's career took a turn for the better from this point on. In 1969, Russell directed what is considered his signature film, which is called Women in Love. It is an adaptation of D.H. Lawrence's 
Rose's novel of the same name about two artist sisters living in World War One Britain, post World War One Britain. And it starred Glenda Jackson, Oliver Reed, Jenny Linden, and Alan Bate. The film is notable for its nude wrestling scene, which broke the convention at the time. Uh, for mainstream movies that uh, male genitalia could not be shown. So, <laughs> so breaking the rules, showing male genitalia in 1969 in Just the UK. Them dicks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that because Mark, this yesterday I was singing the uh, South Park thing where they're making fun of Georgia R. R. Martin. Wiener, fluffy wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. That's that's how this was. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this film received four Oscar nominations, including Russell's only nomination for Best Director. In 1975, Russell's star-studded version of The Who's rock opera Tommy, starring Roger Daltrey and Margaret Oliver Reed, Elton John, Tina Turner, Eric Clapton, and Jack Nicholson, spent a record 14 weeks at the number one spot. Did you realize that many people were in Tommy? Yeah, there's a I lot ha- more than that. Oh, I know. That's just like the highlights. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that movie a lot. There's like everybody's in it. I've only seen I mean, Tommy. From that sure, yeah. I've only seen Tommy once and it was like on VH1 when I was a kid. So I didn't remember. <laughs> I didn't remember there were that many crazy people in the movie, but that's cr- that's cool, I guess. I'm a big Who fan. Oh, okay. Okay. You're. Are you a pinball wizard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see the Who. Nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. I mean, it wasn't the original, but did they did they make your ears bleed? Uh, yeah. And you know, there's you know still what? windmill in it. Nice. Well, you know, at one point in time, they were the loudest rock band of the world. Clocked in. Yeah, there. that was when Keith Moon was still alive. Ah, uh, blessed Keith. Which, by the way, funny that you should say that. And I'll talk about it later, or actually pretty soon here. But Oliver Reed became really close with Keith Moon during the filming of Tommy. Nice. Which doesn't that make sense? <laughs> Their oh, personalities. Yeah. yeah, they became like super close buds. Destroying. They probably hot- did a lot of drugs together. They did a lot of drugs. They drank a lot, and they destroyed a lot of hotel rooms. From what I hear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he also directed, list, or Russell also started work on Listomania in 1975, which also starred Daltrey. And, uh, you know, the film score for it is prog rock guitarist Rick Wakeman. And in this film, the music of Franz Liszt is stolen by Richard Wagner. Tommy and Listomania were important to the rise of improved motion picture sound in the 1970s, as they were among the first films to be released with Dolby encoded soundtracks. So they were kind of like milestones in the motion picture world. So that's kind of cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. And both, yeah. And both movies like topped the British box office uh, charts for a couple of weeks. Um, Tommy longer than Listomania. Uh, Tommy was still in the list of the week's top five box office hits actually when Listomania came out. <laughs> Which they were, I guess they were like nine months apart or something like that. Oh, wow. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, these films furthered his uh, reputation as as a director and cemented him as an A-list director for the time. Now, as far as horror films go, Russell is known for the sci-fi cult classic Altered States, as well as The Lair of the White Worm and The Fall of the Louse of Usher, which is a comedy from the early 90s. Hmm. Never, yes. never saw it. Me neither. And it was on the decline of his
his life and film career so I don't know how many people have actually seen that but I'm sure you know write in if you just happen to love Fall of the Louse of Usher let me know <laughs> so Oliver Reed was an English actor known for his upper middle class macho machismo image and quote unquote hellraiser lifestyle I read so many articles about him and they constantly <laughs> referred to him as a hellraiser for some reason <laughs> all right wasn't he See, just a drunk <laughs> yeah he was just a drunk um but whatever i guess he liked to have a good time see when i hear hellraiser i just say penhead but <laughs> that's just me <laughs> so his notable films include 1966 the trap the Oscar winner Oliver from 1968, Woman in Love from 1969, The Devils, of course, Revolver from 1973, The Three Musketeers, also from 73, Tommy the Rock Opera, Cronenberg's The Brood from 1979, uh, Funny Bones from 95, and finally Gladiator from 2000. So when he was playing Antonius Proximo, the old gruff gladiator trainer in Ridley Scott's gladiator uh that was actually his final film and reed was nominated for the bafta award post-death for best actor in that role to go back on his uh, hellraiser lifestyle reed was a known alcoholic and stories about his behavior and alcoholism have become almost the stuff of myth he once puked on steve mcqueen after a pub crawl <laughs> uh, made derogatory comments about feminism on the tonight show which caused Shelly Winters, who you may remember from our Grand Bolito episode, to dump a glass of whiskey on Reed's head. <laughs> and he also once tried to kiss feminist author Kate Millett on the program After Dark, uttering, give us a kiss, big tits. Oh my god. Yeah. Oliver was a problem. <laughs> Uh, Russell Crowe said in 2010 that I never got on with Ollie. He has visited me, visited me in dreams and asked me to talk kindly of him. So I should, but we never had a pleasant conversation. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. A talented but problematic man was Oliver Reed. I like how he haunts his dreams still. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, at least like um, 12 years ago, he was still haunting Russell Crowe's dreams, apparently. <laughs> 10 years after he died. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Vanessa Redgrave is an English actress. So Vanessa Redgrave is an English actor with a career spanning six decades. She's known for films such as Julia, Isadora, Mary Queen of Scots, The Devils, Letters to Juliet, Mission Impossible, Atonement, and Murder on the Orient Express, among many, many others. Redgrave is a part of a family of famous actors, including her sister Lynn Redgrave, her daughters Jolie Richardson from Nick Tuck, and the late Natasha Richardson, who was married to Liam Neeson until her tragic skiing accident that ended her life in 2009, among others. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michael Gothard was an English actor well known for portraying the mysterious villain Emil Leopold Luke in the 1981 James Bond film For Your Eyes Only. That's such, that's such an 80s title, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> he also starred in films such as Toby Hooper's sci-fi horror film Life Force 
And no matter how hard we try, we always circle back to Toby Hooper. Every time. Every time. How many times have we brought him up? I, at least four or five now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we did two of his own movies, so yeah. I just okay. didn't think, I mean, I know the, the horror, you know, community is very small and tight-knit. Like, there's a lot of same actors, same directors and everything, but I didn't think Toby Hooper would be brought up so many times. You know, the man wasn't afraid to go out there and just direct some wild shit and a bunch of different kind of genres. And, you know, you gotta respect him for that. It wasn't all good, but he tried. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Michael Gothard was in Life Force... And sadly, Gothard suffered from depression for a good portion of his life, and he succumbed to suicide in 1992, tragically. Gemma Jones. She is an English actress on both stage and screen. Her film appearances include Sense and Sensibility, the Bridget Jones series, the Harry Potter series, Woody Allen's film, You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger, and more recently, Ammonite. Then we have Max Adrian. Adrian was an Irish stage, film, and television actor and singer. He was a founding member of both the Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theatre. Max died at the age of 69. Nice. Of a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) I know. The timing there. But I couldn't couldn't stop myself. Uh, Georgina Hale as Philippe. Uh, Georgina Hale is an English actress, television, and stage performer. She is best known for her roles in films of director Ken Russell, including The Devils, The Boyfriend, and Mahler, for which she received a BAFTA Film Film Award. And Murray Melvin. Murray Melvin is an English author, actor, and director best known for acting with Joan Littlewood, Ken Russell, and Stanley Kubrick, and many of their films. He is the author of two books, The Art of Theater Workshop and The Theater Royal, A History of the Building. Uh, this film has a really large cast, so in the interest of time, I'll not be covering uh, the rest of the cast, because that would take forever and a day. I just I don't have time for that. No. So, Morgan, I, I think we've talked about this, but not on mic. But so you, you enjoyed this film, eh? Yeah, I did like this movie. It's really weird. It's like another fever dream kind of movie. It is way. it is really weird. And you know what? This is the this is like the third weird movie we've done in a row, actually. You're right. <laughs> because we were supposed to do a different movie, but things fell through, and that was gonna be the relief, a more mainstream relief movie. But uh anyway, here we are <laughs> covering another surrealistic, uh bombastic, weird ass movie. <laughs> Yeah, I I really enjoyed it though. Like the whole, I don't know, fall near the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really intense. I enjoyed it too. I really enjoy intense fucking movies like this. Like, I don't know what it is, but controversy always uh courts me. Like if if a movie's controversial, I want to watch it even if I've gotten constant warnings to like not do that. <laughs> <laughs> like when it's I watched tempting. this yeah, like when I watched a Serbian film. Oh, God. Yeah. Which, this is not the first time we've talked about that. Trent's yeah. ass brought that up the first time. <laughs> I blame movie. I blame you, Trent. Um, okay, so, in the 17th century France, Cardinal Richelieu. <laughs> I took French and some of these were names I'm going to still butcher, so, you know. I know, I'm going to butcher all of them, so. Yeah, so, okay. you know, sue me, it's fine. <laughs> 
is influencing Louis the Thirteenth in an attempt to gain further power. They basically want to take over the Ludon area, him and his cronies. Um, he convinces Louis that the fortifications of cities throughout France should be demolished to prevent Protestants from rising up. Uh, so Louis agrees, but forbids Richelieu from carrying out demolitions in the town of Loudon, having made a promise to its governor not to damage the town. Meanwhile, in Loudon, the governor has died, leaving control of the city to Urbain Grandier, a dissolute, proud, and popular priest. Very popular with the ladies, if you know uh-huh. what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> the mustache says it all. He has the curliest villain mustache in this movie. I love it. It's amazing. He looks a lot like the paintings that or engravings that exist. Yeah. Yeah. He looks a lot like him. They did a good job. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They did a good job. <laughs> So, uh, he is having an affair with a relative of Father Canon Jean Mignon, another priest in the town. Grandet is, however, unaware that the neurotic hunchbacked sister Jean de Angers. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Angers, uh, you know, something like that. The abscess of the local Ursuline convent is sexually obsessed with him. He doesn't, even though they're sleeping together, he doesn't realize that she's like obsessed and and it's obvious like it's she's really crawling obvious. through the you remember at the beginning when she's like looking through the crowds mm-hmm. in the tunnel mm-hmm. and she's like praying to herself and like it's so creepy <laughs> she's just like watching him from the ground through a tunnel yeah she's so creepy and that her when she's in her full like nun regalia and she's like hunched over walking around Something about that is so deeply unsettling. Yeah, because it's like uh, odd movements and it just, like, I don't know. The the actual case of this, like, the description is what I imagined when I was reading it. Right. Like, they're unnatural movements. They are definitely unnatural movements. Yeah, they're... 110%. Really creepy. Yeah. Okay. So, Sister Jean... I'm just going to say Jean, even though I know it's going to have a French pronunciation, because it's just, yeah, it's just what's happening. So, so, yeah. So, Sister Jean asks for Grandier to become the convent's new confessor. Grandier secretly, unbeknownst to Jean, marries another woman, Madeleine Debreu. When the news of this reaches her, she's hella jealous. (laughs) Like... Hell hath no fury like a woman's scorned. Especially a woman who's supposed to be betrothed to God, but is fucking a priest instead. Yeah, they're part of the um, virginal, what, virginal Ursuline group? Yeah, where they're totally not supposed to be doing what they're doing. Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, so he also is just like, you know, I uh, don't want to be, I don't have time to do that. I'm more important than uh, being your new confessor. I'm not going to do that. He basically sends a message back to her that's really casual like that. Like, no, I don't have time for that. And she's just like, how dare you? How could you do this? Yeah, yeah. When Madeline returns a book from Ursuline foundress 
Angela Merici that Sister Jean had earlier lent her. The abscess attacks her and accuses her of being a fornicator and sacrilegious. <gasps> well, I'm fornicating, mean, bitch. But like, bitch, you're just mad because you were doing the same thing with the same guy. That's all you're yeah. mad about. She's she's sad that now she's getting sloppy second. Yeah, she's sad that she didn't get to marry that dick. Yeah, <laughs> that that is really all it is. Uh, so Baron Jean de la Bordemont arrives with orders to demolish the city, overriding Grandier's orders to stop. Grandier summons the town soldiers and forces la Bordemont to back down pending the arrival of an order for the demolition from King Louis. Grandier departs Loudon to visit the king. In the meantime, Sister Jean is informed by Father Mignon that he is to be their new confessor. She informs him of Grandier's marriage and affairs and also inadvertently accuses Grandier of witchcraft and of possessing her, which Mignon relays to Le Bordemont. In the process, the information is pared down to just the claim that Grandier has bewitched the convent and dealt with the devil. They cast everything aside and it's just, he's he's with the devil. He's of the devil. That's just what it is now. Uh, with Grandier away from Loudon, Le Bordemont and Mignon decide to find evidence to use against him. And this also is just part of their power grab. Like, let's Let's just throw him under the bus. That'll work. Yeah, he yeah. really is. He's mm-hmm. just the scapegoat. He is 100% the scapegoat. And it sucks because so, he was a ladies' man and all those ladies. Look, all I'm <laughs> saying is nobody else was given the nun's pleasure. I know, and they were all virgins until he showed up. And then he showed them a good time. <laughs> He's like, well, you like the devil? What about devil this dick down? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> so, Le Bordemont summons Inquisitor Father Pierre Barre, a professional witch hunter, whose interrogations involve depraved acts of exorcism, including the forced administration of, em- of enemas. Mm, why? You know, you know what I always say, pooping gets the devil right out of me. <laughs> Let's cleanse the humors. Ah, uh, yeah, right? Uh, man, there just wasn't really a lot of science back then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Clearly. And this is a Catholic church, so it's even crazier. Yeah, and the plague, like, just ended, like, a, a year before this. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's stick these things up their asses now. It's like, yeah, you know, we're definitely not going to spread plague this way. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to spread anything this way. Nope. Nothing nope, happens nothing. through poo. Excrement's <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Who in the water, if you want. Uh, Yeah, whatever, you know. So Sister Jean claims that Grandier has bewitched her, and the other nuns follow suit. They're like, yeah, he's he's possessed us. And it turns into a full-on religious frenzy. And so a public exorcism erupts in the church, and the nuns start removing their clothes. And so Duke Henry de Conde, actually King Louis in disguise, by the way, arrives claiming to be carrying a holy relic, which can exorcise the devils. 
uh, that are possessing the nuns. Father Barre then proceeds to use the relic in exercising the nuns, who then act as though they have been cured until Conde slash Louis reveal the case allegedly containing the relic to be empty. So the possessions and the exorcisms then continue unabated, descending into a massive orgy in which the nuns remove the crucifix from above the altar <clears throat> and masturbate with it. A lot. A lot. A lot. That's all you need to know. I don't, I mean, watch the movie if you want to see it explicitly. That's, <laughs> but that's me describing it to you, all right? All the screaming and everything going there's, on is so chaotic. It's, it's chaos, yeah. Just go watch the movie. It's on shutter. <laughs> um, so, during the chaos... Grandier and Madeline return. Grandier denies but Grandier denies bewitching the nuns and condemns Sister Jean, but he and Madeline are arrested nonetheless, and the nuns are returned to the convent where Sister Jean attempts to hang herself, but is cut down before she dies. After being given a show trial, Grandier is shaven and tortured. The judges sentence Grandier to death by burning at the stake. Ugh. Ugh, I know. And they torture the fuck out of him. They do. They do. And L'Abordement has also obtained permission to destroy the city's fortifications. Despite pressure to confess to the charges, Grandier refuses and is taken to be burnt at the stake. His executioner promises to strangle him rather than let him suffer by death by fire, but Barre starts the fire himself, and Mignon, visibly panic-stricken about the possibility of Grandier's innocence, pulls the noose tight before it can be used to strangle Grandier. As Grandier burns, Le Bordemont orders for explosive charges to be set off in the city walls are blown up, and it causes reveling townspeople to flee in anguish. After the execution, Barre leaves Loudon to, contain, to continue his witch-hunting activities elsewhere in the Vienne region of Nouvelle-Aquitaine. Le Bordemont informs Sister Jean that Mignon has been put away in an asylum for claiming that Grandier was innocent and that with no signed confession to prove otherwise, everyone has the same opinion. He gives her Grandier's charred femur, and uh, as I previously described, she kind of kisses it, and like the, the camera pans down and shows that her hands are going towards her genitals, but it doesn't show it explicitly, and she masturbates with the charred bone. Okay, I thought she was trying to hide it. Nah, she's masturbating with it. Okay. I was like, oh, she's got a little pocket in her habit, but really it's just her, her vagina. Yeah, yeah, that's her pocket. <laughs> uh, Madeline, having been released, walks over the rubble of Ludon's walls and away from the ruined city. Finn, Zien. <laughs> it's a trippy movie. What are your, some of the craziest things of the movie to you before we get into some of the fun facts? I think like when they're they're in that main room and they're presenting the case, it looks like an old like bathhouse. It totally did look like a bathhouse. Yeah, and I think they did. I don't know. I think they used that setting because of the whole sexual theme of it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep. But it looks exactly like a bathhouse. I thought so too. And I even kind of thought that like maybe it used to be a bathhouse. But I don't know. Yeah, um, whenever they're like running around and like screaming. Um, 
they have their like isn't it habit yeah it's a habit yeah like they have their habits on and they're like yelling and i guess they're speaking in tongues i couldn't understand anything they're saying i believe it's tongue speaking yeah okay yeah that that part was wild when they're all in there in the court and they're all screaming and saying witch he's a witch or he's the devil you want to know a really stupid way to remember uh what a nun's clothing is called oh how (laughs) because the second film in the six in the sister act franchise is called back in the habit (laughs) (laughs) that's so stupid (laughs) i said it was a stupid way <laughs> All right. Yeah, where where do they film this shit? I know you're gonna tell me, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> okay. All right. So a major sequence in which the nuns tear down and ravish a life-sized icon of Christ and orgasmic frenzy was originally cut from the film. Film, cri- yeah. Film critic Mark. Cremorday discovered the footage many years later. Ken Russell was keen to resuscitate the scene, but found that Warner Brothers were not interested in doing a director's cut. And the footage can be seen in the documentary that Cremorday made about Russell and was subsequently included in the uncut DVD release. So that scene wasn't there originally, and neither was the femur scene. Like, originally they were cut out by British censors. Uh, yeah, I guess the year of it. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 1971 UK, at the height of, like, the video nasty uh, and banned film era. Yeah, <laughs> this was this was on the list, for sure. They were like, it's not proper. Not proper at all. It's obscene. <laughs> you need to go away with these sex comedies. Uh, unsurprisingly this is oliver reed's favorite film that he started yeah i mean he had women all over him (laughs) and if you can tell and you can tell by his glassy eyes in the movie that he was drunk the whole damn time yeah he's shit-faced he stumbles a few times he does he does i don't know how the man did (laughs) yeah the end when he's like shaved and stuff um he looked like he was like going through dts (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so when critic alexander walker published an unfavorable review of the film in the evening standard he and ken russell were invited for a debate on a bbc talk show where Russell confronted Walker with alleged inaccuracies in his writing. Unfortunately, the footage has been lost and stories about what happened differ uh, wildly. However, both agree that the argument got so heated that Russell took his folded copy of the issue of the newspaper with the contentious review and hit Walker on the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) That was Oliver Reed? No, that was Ken Russell himself. Oh, Ken Russell. (laughs) fighting about the movie oh my god i want to watch <laughs> yeah I, I again they've apparently lost footage so it's just myth now but Aww. that's what they say so Derek jarman's sets are modeled on the sets of fritz lang's metropolis ken russell wanted to avoid the cliched look of period films and insisted on anachronistic even futuristic design Russell's guidance to Jarman was that it should echo the rape in a public toilet line from 
the Huxley novel that inspired this movie. So that is kind of why it looks like a bathhouse. Oh. Yeah. So the role of Sister Jean was originally offered to Glenda Jackson, who turned it down because she was tired of playing sexually neurotic leads in Ken Russell movies. <laughs> like, Ken, you just keep casting me as the same person. <laughs> <laughs> That would be kind of weird. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, I got a I got a new role, and then it's like, oh, I'm the same character that loves sex so much. It's like, God, can I do something else, Ken? Jesus. I don't want to do porn, damn it. <laughs> I don't want to do softcore porn, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So, subject of an online petition to persuade Warner Brothers to release the movie as a DVD something the company was reluctant to do, apparently because of its controversial nature. The campaign was ultimately successful with the re-release on DVD by the BFI of the 1971 UK X-rated cut of the film. So that's how we finally got the unrated cut, an online petition. <laughs> fans. Thank you, fans. Everyone needs to see the naked nuns with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, but. Masturbation with a fever bone. You know, it's a good time. <laughs> It's not for everyone. Look, we understand that. It's not for everyone, especially if you're religious, but I'm not, so. It was for me. <laughs> okay. So Ken Russell won the Best Director Award for the National Board of Review in 1972 for directing both The Devils and The Boyfriend. Both films were released in the same year, which was 1971. Another fun tidbit, supermodel Twiggy and her manager boyfriend, Justin de Villeneuve, were given brief cameo roles roles during the court scene and appear as a male courtier and a tall silver-wigged gentleman, respectively. However, once the nuns started stripping, Twiggy walked off the set and the pair only filmed one shot. What? Who would have known that supermodel Twiggy would have been so disgusted with this movie? I know. Like but she was. Wow. She was, she was really offended and didn't care for it. I mean, I thought she was pretty, um, I don't know, forward or... I thought so too. I thought she was kind of, had a kind of swinging lifestyle, but apparently this was... This was the line for her. <laughs> <laughs> Stripping nuns, no thank you. Uh, yeah, that's Stripping okay. for Vogue, yes. <laughs> Nun stripping for me, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Ken Russell said that he had to be gentle with actor Max Adrian because he was really old at the time of feeling uh, at the time of filming, and actually was kind of on the brink of death. He died um, like two years later. That's when he had that heart attack. Oh, so damn. he was in poor health even at the time of filming. Um, he did Judith, a good job. He did. He did. Judith Paris is listed as Sister Judith in the credits, but is referred to as Sister Agnes in the film, so that's a little flub up there. Ow, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, right? So despite Warner Brothers not wanting to release the director's cut of the film, a reference was made in the film Space Jam A New Legacy, where one of the nuns from the removed and controversial sequence makes a cameo among the spectators. In, in Space What'd you say? Space Jam? Yeah, okay, so the new Space Jam movie that came out last year has a scene where a bunch, where like the spectators are a bunch of old, or a bunch of movies that Warner Brothers owns. And so they just cut in a bunch of different characters from a bunch of different uh, properties that Warner Brothers owns. And so one of the nuns from this movie is very briefly in the spectators. The spectators. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Isn't it? Is in she a... masturbating? <laughs> 
Morgan. It's a children's I'm just movie. Kidding. I know. I, that would be wild, though. <laughs> you know how Disney like slips in like dick shots and stuff. Like true, I but I don't. Know. I don't think Disney made this, did they? No, you said no. Warner Bros. Yeah, Warner Brothers did. So yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, like, I like Disney does their dicks. That's true. Wasn't there like a dick in the clouds in Aladdin or something? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how true it is. Butthole or something. I mean, I definitely remember as a teenager, like going through my old DVDs and being like, wait a minute. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> no, just more like, is this true? <laughs> but I don't remember ever finding anything. So people I'm need sure. to write in and tell us where the dicks are in Disney movies. I mean, I'm sure if I went on YouTube, I could probably find something. Yeah. We also like emails. Yeah, email us. Hard versus reality at gmail.com. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Vanessa Redgrave wrote in her autobiography that she considers this film, along with Charge of the Light Brigade, to be the finest example of British post-war cinema and one of the best movies she'd ever been in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty and, wild. So, like, both, like, apparently everyone, a lot of people that were in this movie were like, yeah, this movie rocks. Everyone should see it. <laughs> Yeah, that's surprising, like, because, you know, Vanessa, I mean, Vanessa Redgrave's an amazing actress, and she's been around forever. I would feel she's like a she's a fucking legend. Yeah, I I would feel like, I don't know, she would be ashamed of this movie, but it's pretty awesome that she's not. She's not, and she's dope for that. She's pretty yeah. dope. Because she's the narrator of um, Call the Call the Midwife. Oh, I've seen some episodes of that, but for reasons I'm sure you realize, I do not watch that show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really liked it. It's just a feel-good post-war movie. I mean, My- show. My old roommate, like, was addicted. She watched that show all the time. But I was like, I'm good. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You know, yeah. So I watched Max- it through nursing school. <laughs> that makes sense. So Max Adrian, who played Father Bari, also played Father Bari in the BBC radio adaptation of The Devils of Loudon in 1963. Like a precursor? Yeah, well, it was more like... A, a radio play of Aldous Huxley's book, and okay. he, and he played the same role in the film that he did for the BBC radio adaptation. That's so cool that the director like included him and like gave him that role. Yeah, I think so too. So Spike Milligan was originally cast as Baron de Lobodemont, but he was replaced when Ken Russell felt he could not properly convince um, anyone that he like was a straight dark character basically ken russell was like you're not a good enough actor for this role as it turns out damn yeah (laughs) like no i don't like you yeah so vanessa redgrave was expecting her second child while filming this but had a miscarriage during filming who did vanessa redgrave oh yeah so elvira aka cassandra peterson mistress of the dark herself said that she was originally cast as one of the nuns in this film but the hairdresser wanted her to shave her hair for the role so she could fit the, like, costume on. <laughs> and she was like, nah. And she <laughs> quit. Good. Yeah, so she quit. So we could have had an Elvira in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, dang. But she it's was so like, hot. yeah, but she's like, my hair's life. So, like, no. <laughs> yeah, that big ass hair. Yeah. So that's all I've got. And then we're going to take a short break. And then Morgan's going to tell us about 
the real Urbain Grandier and his um, dalliance. Concubine of virgin nuns. <laughs> you know, his dalliances and then the egregious crimes committed against him. <laughs> Yes. Stay tuned. Okay. Hi, and we're back. Morgan, tell us about Urbain Grandier. Oh. So, as we discussed before, Urbain Grandier was a French Catholic priest. He was convicted and sentenced to death at the stake following a fake trial, pretty much, uh-huh. and massive amounts of torture. And he was the scapegoat for the Loudon possessions of 1632 something around there but he did die on august 14th 1634 in ludon after being burned alive at the stake um his trial has been in plays uh in different books there's multiple history books written on this because this was around the time when the panic started with the witch trials which uh, i think the first one was in like 1612 or something his was the third uh major witch trial that the catholic church pretty much backed so yeah uh he was born into the like religious sect he was supposedly the son of somebody who's in the church i don't know there's different i mean it's so long ago the 1600s so or he was born in 1590 so a lot of the accounts say he was born as the eldest son um and since he went to church and in the Jesuit College of La Madeleine, he was able to support his mom and his siblings. So he was pretty much like the patriarch of the family because his father had died. Some of his early history is just, you know, really unclear because uh, he was born in 1590. So it's no way to really know. Um, right. But he was supposed to, supposedly had a child um, by the king's prosecutor and she gave birth to a son. And this has never been substantiated or anything, but some of the letters that were found around the time a lot of this stuff was burned too so i mean okay given his reputation as a ladies man and how um often he was fucking people i feel like given that the time period like there's no way he doesn't have a kid out there right yeah he probably has multiple exactly but that's the only one that's tied to him yeah i'm sure a lot of people were uh mums the word about that (laughs) yeah no it's it's all like covered up by the church too um Which we know that the Catholic Church can cover up a lot of stuff. (laughs) Molestation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Murder of a nun. Um, There's so many different things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, he he was put into power under uh, Louis the Thirteenth. He was a friend, and his uncle was a priest. Uh, He was a parish priest, and so he pretty much like grew up in it and was put into power uh, as soon as he like got done with his education. Privilege. Um, yeah, he was born very privileged. Um, in 1632 was when the allegations started and in like the movie he was having a relationship with uh, the mother superior of the group and her name was 
Jean Dange, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, and Mother Jean, I think they were having explicit sex. I'm pretty sure. Um, and whenever he started seeing other women and like writing letters to other women, he had multiple affairs. So I think she just became enraged by this, like super jealous, and then started um accusing him of using black magic to seduce her and the other women in the uh, Ursuline non-group. Yeah, just make him look as bad as possible. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's so hard putting all of this together because it's like multiple different sects that were going on, like with the Order of St. Ursula, um, the Protestant and Catholic Church fighting, uh, the plague had just left the town, and so there was a lot of anxieties, fears, uh, thousands of people died in this um, plague. Um, I think out of 14,000, like 6,000 died or something. So there was a lot of tension in the air as well as the Catholic Church coming down and saying they needed to like knock down the walls of the the city. And in Urbane, Grandier was really against knocking down the walls. Uh, But meanwhile, the king was thinking that the um, other religions would rise up and start a revolt. Um, So this kind of put him at odds with the Catholic Church as well as um, the monarchy. So he's pretty much like, he should have been martyred, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, but uh, given that the churches who kind of condemned him, <laughs> yeah, you can't really take them. Mm. No takesies back. No, yeah, no takey backies. <laughs> yeah, so he was having multiple relationships with um the virgins and the Ursulines were Morgan, what? I just had a funny thought. <laughs> What is that? So, you know how some people like to play sexy music before they get it on? Like oh. Marvin Gaye or Barry White. Yeah. Well, they didn't have music like that back then. So, like, what was sexy music in the 1600s? Uh, was it Was it, like, Baruch? It's probably, like, the religious chanting. <laughs> like Gregorian chants? <laughs> yeah, Gregorian uh, chants. Dia Yesu Domine. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, they had loot and shit, but uh, like half the town is dead at this point. So, do you, do you think it would be more like um, the way they have uh, what do you call it in Skyrim, like a bard singing? Do you think it'd be more like a bard with a lute, just like saying lewd things? <laughs> yeah, or Latin, Latin, Latin. Um, just speaking Latin, and everybody's like, "Whoa, you're so smart." <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he probably just spoke in poems and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, probably. But I enjoy the image of... I like to picture it like they saw each other across the room. (laughs) And then, like, music starts playing like a John Hughes movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, really it'd be like, what is it, Amadeus or whatever. Yeah! (laughs) You know what? He was a horny bastard, too. Yeah, I mean, all of the songs are about sex. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) 
So um, with this group of nuns, they were known as a virginal nunnery, I guess. Um, And their story is like, their story is even crazier than his. Like Saint Ursula, um, the patron saint that the Ursula nuns, like, I guess, I don't know if they worship, whatever. They accompany her. I don't know. But apparently back in like the 300 AD, somewhere around there, she was supposed to go with a group of holy nuns or holy virgins and she decided to go um to this kingdom but before they got there she was like wait I want to go on this pilgrimage and at this point they do their trans-European pilgrimage her along with 11,000 virginal handmaidens um what (laughs) yeah it's so ridiculous this is the story behind it and I was just like what the <clears throat> fuck like just imagine a, a, like a 10,000 virginal handmaidens following this future queen uh, in some like religious pilgrimage and then <laughs> and then the um, the Hans were in this area and apparently they killed all of them they beheaded all of them <laughs> And it goes from 100 to 11,000. Um, so they stuck with 11,000 because that's really understandable. That 11,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> 11,000 virgins. <clears throat> That's an absurd. That's yeah, absurd. the the whole story like combines like 11 being some kind of holy number. I don't fucking know. And then like her best friend, which is clearly her partner, like lesbian, hid and like then finally came out and they inscribed her like skull and they found her skull later. It's oh. it's really dark. Like That's very dark, yes. But it's fucking ridiculous that they would even think that 11,000 nuns going by themselves across Europe was a good idea. That's a horrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were all, like, raped and murdered. Like, 11,000 beheadings. Allegedly. Yeah, because it says, says, when skeletons of the little children ranging in age from two months to seven years were found buried with one of the sacred virgins, St. Herman Joseph, a canon, whatever that is, explained that they were distant relatives of the 11,000. <laughs> was like, what? It doesn't even make sense. They're all virgins. How do they have kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are they all Marys? <laughs> and you, what's... Hold on. If there were that many Marys, I feel like we'd hear it about it right <laughs> right yeah apparently there's a whole religious sect on this one mm-hmm. story <laughs> but there, so Ursula and her 11,000 companions were murdered and then apparently their skeletal remains were quoted from uh, Wikipedia it says a veritable tsunami of ribs shoulder blades and femurs arranged in zigzags and squir- swirls and even in the shapes of Latin words <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I don't <laughs> think that graveyard is really 11,000 virgins. It's probably all victims of a plague. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Know what do I know? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just reading up on this, I was just like, what in the actual fuck was everyone on? Like... <laughs> 
it, it's just wild because right before mm. you know he got pulled into this crazy story and started banging all these virginal nuns like a lot of people died in this town and he was put in place to be a voice of reason and he was an educated man he was very prolific but he also was literally hated by almost everyone mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. liked him but it's very rare like all the stories everybody like fucking hated him yeah so, he had like a couple of friends that stuck by him but most people believed all the rumors and hated him yeah and and the catholic church didn't want any doctor to come and say hey he's not a demon he's like a person and he's not he's not a witch and this is not his coven and all this but the catholic church chose not to let those people speak and of course they- not <laughs> And they only had the religious community speak at his trial. He would not admit to anything at first. And they found a letter from one to one of his concubines. That's what they said. Uh, it says, perhaps the most damning evidence. This is uh, for, oh, it's like a un- university. I don't know what university it is. I'm sorry. It's umb.edu. I don't know. It's a <laughs> history of this. Um but the most damning evidence that they had against Grandier was produced in May 1634 by the demon Leviathan speaking through the mouth of Jean de Anguay, which is the his lady or his uh, stalker, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and this was under the command of the exorcist. So they're mm. exercising everybody at this point. All the yeah. nuns had yeah. gone hysterical. They were all stripping and flailing about... Uh, uh, yelling obscenities in strange voices. They would contort their bodies in separate ways. Really weird. They put their hands and their feet together in a circle on their stomachs mm-hmm. and then made beastly noises. And this was in public. <laughs> so everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? And so under the guise of the exorcist put in place by the Catholic Church who was in this trial, they got Jean de young guy to speak a demon from the demon leviathan and then by the foot of the bishop was found a document which was indeed the signed pact which the exorcist had demanded during an earlier exorcism asmodeus had said that it was spotted with grandeur's blood and then when they looked he had a scar on his hand because he <laughs> couldn't have possibly have gotten that any other way no other way he had a scar on his hand and that was his blood on the paper Totally. Which, which, uh, you know, it's a completely healed scar, but the blood's fresh. Yeah. Like, all of this is just so maddening. And apparently it was a diabolical pact with the devil, so that Is there any other kind? (laughs) (laughs) Diabolical. (laughs) So, yeah, along with this pact, it's, I mean, it's on, it's on Wikipedia, it's out there. You can look it up. It's called, uh, the diabolical pact. (laughs) But it was written backwards in Latin. And then there's little doodles all over the thing. But when deciphered and translated English per Wikipedia, it says, We, the influential Lucifer, the young Satan, Beelzebub, Leviathan, and Emily, and Astaroth, together with others, have today accepted the covenant 
pact of urbane grandeur who is ours and him do we promise the love of women the flower of virgins the respect of monarch honors lusts and powers you will go whoring <laughs> three days long <laughs> <laughs> the carousel will be dear to him he offers us once in the year a seal of blood under the feet he will trample the holy things of the church and he will ask us many questions with this pact he will live 20 years happy on the earth of men and will later join us to sin against god bound in hell in the council of demons lucifer beelzebub satan astaroth leviathan emily the seals place the devil the master and the demons princes of the lord belberin right and we get it already jesus <laughs> it's like <laughs> urbane grandeur did this and this is like who would write that um yeah <laughs> it's like it was never determined that it was in his handwriting. They said it was uh, written by the devil himself that accused Urbane Grandier of doing this to all the, the nuns. And I mean, with the descriptions of the nuns like flailing and doing all these weird, they would uh, they would bend backwards and their heads would touch their feet and they would like hoop and holler and curse and everything. And like, really, it just reminds me of tetanus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like the way that their bodies contort and everything, like all the descriptions, it really sounds like tetanus. Um, I mean, I was going to say, so what? They know yoga. <laughs> <laughs> They're really into the body and stretching. <laughs> what is it to you? Is yoga the devil now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Irving Grandier was tortured horribly. Uh, he was put in one of those, like, stretching devices. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Do you know what they're called? A rack? Yeah, they put him in a rack because he wasn't saying anything. He actually laughed. Like, he kept laughing and saying, this is ridiculous. Like, do you think I'd really do this? And everyone's like, serious face. And he's like, haha, you're crazy, pretty much. Like, this is What's weird, this though, is, silly. is he's, he's a part of the Catholic Church. You would think that he would know that they meant business. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he, it was like Henry, oh, hold on, what is it? It was Henry the uh was actually um protestant and then when he became king he converted to catholicism and then yeah. louis the 13th was like raised really religious like he was obsessed mm -hmm. with it so when all these witch and demon things came out he's like oh we just got to kill everybody <laughs> pretty much yeah. like this is the devil's work this is not mine like i am guiding my people under god and this is not how he wants wants them to love so they need to go to death yeah so um it says we have condemned and do condemn the said grandier to make honorable amend his head bare a rope around his neck holding in his hand a burning pitch firebrand weighing two pounds before the principal door of the church of St. Pierre de Marche and before that St. Ursula of this town, there on his knees to ask pardon of God, the king, and the law. This done, he is to be taken to the public square of St. Croix and fastened to a stake on a scaffold, which shall be erected on the said place for this purpose, and there to be burned alive with the packs and magic figures 
letters remaining with the clerk of the court, together with the book written by his hand, composed against the celibacy of priests, and his ashes were scattered to the wind. So they literally, like, gave him chance after chance to be forgiven, which he was like, fuck you, this isn't, no, I didn't do this. And so they're like, okay, let's break your legs. They, like, shaved his head, shaved his mustache off. They, like, pretty much scalped him. And then they laid him on one of those things, broke his legs, made him come back. He still refused. And then he went back. They recited all of that. And then he was exercised while he was burning. You know, it's crazy that um, the more adamant you are that you're innocent, the more uh, sure they are that you're not. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, this is really stupid. (laughs) Thank God. Um, Come on, guys. Are we really doing this? And, like, a lot of the stuff was burned with him, so it's really just, like, legend, I guess. They did keep one of the letters, the one that supposedly was written by um, uh, the devil about Grandier. Because it has, like, Grandier's signature on the very bottom, but it doesn't match any of the other writing. Like, you can see on anywhere if you look up the pact like it looks like he just put his name on a piece of paper and then someone just wrote over it with all this like bullshit which is probably what happened but uh according to the catholic church he corrupted an entire order of nuns (laughs) had sex with all of them all in the name of the devil so he is a wild and crazy guy <laughs> He's a hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that is the story of Grandier. Ah, oh, that poor, poor man. Yeah, they said um, it, they were saying the fire was going to burn the devil out of him, and they said he died exhausted by his heroic struggles with the demons. <laughs> um. Yes, it will burn the devil out of you. It will also burn the life out of you. Yeah, you're going to die if you're side effect, fire. You know? Yeah, and he was grossly tortured beforehand, too. Like, he couldn't walk or anything. They, oh, it was so messed up because they have... Well, they broke his legs. <laughs> yeah, like, they pulled them, they stretched them. Like, they kept his upper half because there's like paintings and stuff like people were weird back then they're like let's fucking paint this shit and it's like i mean i kind of get it though i like painting dark shit i mean i paint a lot of abstract but if i was like a better artist i'd probably be painting some fucked up elaborate shit <laughs> like just imagine like you know like how some music festivals or concerts have like live painters yeah 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 like just imagine a live painter in a torture chamber. <laughs> oh, can you hold that pose for a second? I, I need to get that grimace down. Can you grimace for me? Make, it, just... make a scary face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd have to try hard to keep the look on his face. Yeah. He's going to be in constant pain. Yeah, the um the painting of him in the fire, he's like, oh, no. But the painting of him with his legs breaking in half, that is a terrible face. Um, yeah. But apparently, like, everybody was, like, pretty much excited about this. They were 
a lot of people were present at the um, the burning that uh, was in public. And some of the paintings depict him burning in the town square and all of the villagers and townspeople's like hanging out on roofs just watching. Let's all go to the execution. I just Let's wish they would have go to the execution. <laughs> I just wish like someone would have painted in like someone with like a sausage or something like in the fire or like I don't think they had marshmallows back then, but they probably had some kind of meat. Someone just roasting something on a kebab next yeah, to Yeah, like it. a plague rat. <laughs> <laughs> Paint that in just a little Morgan. humor. <laughs> Morgan, I mean, yeah. you have paint, do you not? <laughs> <laughs> just make a print of this and just paint yeah. it some guy yeah. with like a yeah. sausage. Just buy a print of it and paint in the sausage guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, this whole thing, the uh, Loudon possessions or possessed of Loudon affair or affair mm-hmm. de possessedie de Loudon. Yeah, I can't really speak French. Sorry. Um, but there's a lot of information on this and it goes pretty deep. Like, I mean, there's been scholars for like centuries keeping tabs on the story and like coming up with new information. Yeah. Like, like with, it says around the time of the nun's accusations, Jean de Leberdemont was sent to demolish the town tower. And then like when he came in to like knock down the tower, then the whole town rose up in a militia and like, said no you can't knock down these walls and mm-hmm. yeah it was, it's wild like the whole story like everyone was fucking crazy in that town yeah. so many people died of the plague the year before that so pretty wild it's pretty cool i went down a lot of rabbit holes i mean i bet i bet i would be too <laughs> like i, I want to revisit this in a, another episode about like you know the catholic church and the exorcisms and the murders of the young girls because they were not witches like all of those trials and everything were just such bullshit like a yeah. power grab with these small towns i'm sure we could find some other movie that touches on this we'll yeah just, we'll do some digging yeah because it i mean it's really interesting to me i i was always obsessed with salem witch trials when i was a kid i was like yeah i'm wicked <laughs> I got a garden in my backyard. <laughs> like I, I was so like wanted to be Wiccan so bad. I remember like I know people who are Wiccan. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm not Wiccan, but um, no, I know. <laughs> I I was then. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who's like really hardcore into it. She goes on like witch retreats and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of holidays. Yeah, like, every fucking month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The new moon, the full moon. There's like all these different celebrations. I mean, it's fun, but. Uh, I don't know. Blue moon. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk about our vacation a little bit now that we're yeah. done with uh, Urbane, Grandier, and the Devils. So we were going to go see last podcast on the left in Buffalo, but sadly Marcus Parks got COVID, and instead we just hung out in Buffalo for like three days. <laughs> yeah, that I mean it. It really sucks that we didn't get to see them. Like, I've always wanted to see them. And the the last time when they came in Richmond, I was on my ill-fated trip with Andrew almost dying. So I missed that show. (laughs) Um, And then it just sucks because Marcus is sick. But yeah, I was was so fucking happy to see you. I was super happy to see you too, dude. And we were going to record this episode in the hotel 
but the Wi-Fi kind of blew the big one. Yeah, <laughs> that Wi-Fi was the worst Wi-Fi. I want to, like, put a Google review and be like, if you need internet, don't go here. Yeah, the Wi-Fi was really fucking bad. Um, like, watching videos on my phone was fucking slow. What? Yeah, and then it kept disconnecting, and I used up all of my data. Yeah, like, it was after a I did the data boost. I was like, God damn it. Really? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, because it kept disconnecting every time we left the hotel, and I didn't know that you had to reconnect. I thought it automatically saved. Oh, no. Yeah, because it's a commercial place. I guess they have it to where it, de- it doesn't automatically connect. But you, you have Congress a- and your data caps. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that, that blew. But we saw like a whole bunch of fucking deer in a, in a cemetery, and we saw robins and just a lot of wildlife. Actually, Canadian geese. Uh, we saw rich. <laughs> we saw Rick James's grave and like took pictures with it. Yeah, and we saw a ghost. I'm just kidding. We didn't see one, but we could have just missed it. Sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm open to things. I've seen no empirical evidence, but I'm open. Open. Haven't you seen <laughs> Ghost Bros? They have scientists. <laughs> I mean, we watched some of that in the hotel. Because <laughs> the like, hotel believe this shit. <laughs> the, the hotel did have on demand, so I like put Ghost Adventures on for Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my happy place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we ate, like, a lot of pizza and didn't finish all the pizza. We got too much pizza. <laughs> so much pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hawaiian pizza. Suck it if you don't like pineapple. We do. Yeah. Pineapple <laughs> is good on pizza. I don't care what you say. Exactly. And then we went and ate, like, really salty, buttery popcorn at the drive-in Friday night. <laughs> Sorry. I just kept hitting the button. I was like, should I stop? Should no, I, I mean, it was great. It was super salty and buttery, but I mean, like, I, you know, you only live once, right? Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. I'm already on cholesterol meds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that but, drive-in was cool. Yeah, it had like five screens and we were kind of in the middle. So you could, I could literally see all the screens. <laughs> yeah, all the other movies were terrible, though. Well, I don't know. I really wanted to see uh, the um, unbearable weight of massive talent with Nick Cage. Oh, I forgot that was on. Yeah, that was like on behind us. I wanted to actually see that movie. Like I was mad because we saw The Northmen, which was fantastic. It was and, and super trippy. But I like the all of these screens have double features, right? So I really wanted the double feature with The Northmen to be the unbearable weight of massive talent or um one of these other movies that uh anything all the time or something yeah that movie i wanted it to be one of those instead those two were together and the northman was stuck with michael bay's ambulance (laughs) spoiler alert we did not stay to watch michael bay blow shit up no we like dipped the fuck out of there i was like yeah we dipped out um and then we went back and ate more pizza at the hotel and I literally, like, laid down, and Morgan went to talk to me, and I was snoring. So I was I was tuckered out, man. It had been a long, eventful day. Yeah, you were out. I, like, <laughs> stayed awake, and y- your, little, your little snores. <laughs> so cute. Like, <laughs> I know I snore really loud, so. You do, but it was great, because I was telling Mark before we left, I was like, 
I hope Morgan snores so I can sleep well. <laughs> because, <laughs> because Mark snores and I'm so used to that that it's comfort to me. <laughs> oh, and we had that big king bed, so that was nice. Yeah. All we the had, pillows. There were so many pillows. And then I brought <laughs> my pillows and my body pillow. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You can never have enough pillows. That's what I was going to tell you. Oh, and we valeted the whole time and we felt really fancy. <laughs> I decided to call down and be like, bring the car around. <laughs> Hi, we need the car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Turn on the AC for me. Mm, I mean, we did have to go. I mean, they no, I never told anybody that, but we did turn, turn the channel to NPR. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's already a preset in my car. So. Mine too. It's okay. I think it's like number one is NPR. So because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really Sorry, listen to the radio. Oh, you're terrifying. I don't really listen to the radio. The only radio that I'm like into is NPR, basically, because uh, I have a smartphone. I can just like plug it into my car and play Spotify. Or, like, any other streaming thing that I want. Yeah. It's a lot of of podcasts, to be honest. It's mostly podcasts, but sometimes. I listen to two independent radio stations in Richmond that are really good. I know. I saw the one with Oh, my cat shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, WRN. And Morgan got me the cutest shirt. It says, meow, meow, meow. And it has a cat with a Jason mask on it, and it's great. (laughs) It'll go with my shirt that has a cat with a hat and a red and green sweater and a Freddy glove. (laughs) Freddy Freddy cat. (laughs) Yeah, it'll go with my Freddy cat. It'll be be Freddy versus Jason all over again. Yeah, Um, you gotta get your cat game, your cat shirt game strong. That was hard to say. Yeah, well, I think my cat shirt game is pretty strong with those two shirts that are also horror shirts and then my un, deux, trois, chat <laughs> cat. Oh yeah. Un, deux, trois, chat. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just like four cats. <laughs> and then I have uh, a shirt that just in really bold letters says totally sane cat lady. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I think my cat shirt is strong. But like in a good way, not like in the way that in the nineties my grandma had like puffy sweaters with oh, big yeah, like, cat faces. Not like and, that. And then like the cats were made out of a different fabric. Yes, not like that. <laughs> um or they're playing with balls of string. Yeah, I don't I don't do that. No our cat, not that cutesy shit. Our cat game is chic. It's not nineties grandma with puff paint. Yeah, I'm wearing my cat shirt right now. It's getting uh, abducted by a UFO. It's my favorite cat shirt. Cute. I'm in one of my many, many moo-moos <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I rock. Um, I, you know, I live in nightgowns, man. And I and they're and they're big and fluffy, so I like to call them moo-moos. <laughs> Look, all I gotta say is my grandma, whenever I'd go to her house as a kid, she rocked the moo moo hard. And that was something to aspire to. <laughs> like, rarely ever leaving the house, rocking a moo moo all the time. My mama was living the dream. Moo moo day and night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I take in a lot more substances than my grandma ever did. She once told me that drinking Dr. Pepper made her drunk. Uh, grandma no that's just the lsd i put in there <laughs> oh no i would never do that to my poor grandma i just dosed you 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think my grandma has ever drank alcohol. That would be terrifying. Yeah. I was dosed once unexpectedly and that was not fun. I mean, I've been dosed with something else, but not not uh, LSD. I think every woman in the US has been day raped. <laughs> I've never been day What? No. So, <laughs> no You've Morgan. never been drugged by the drink? Um, not by a dude. Well, I don't know who drugged my drink, but I'm assuming it could have been a dude. Oh, I know who, I know without, with 100% certainty who drugged me, I was at their house. <gasps> oh, and it was And it was a woman. <gasps> oh my God. I'm fine. They didn't do anything to me. Um, but yeah, I won't get into it. For, yeah, I'm not I know. Gonna, I'm not going to blow this person's spot up, but yeah, that happened when I was a teenager. Jesus. I think they just wanted me to take like a long nap or something. I don't know. (laughs) They just like princess. (laughs) Yeah, they wanted me to like simmer down a little or something. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's like the one time my friend's mom was like, hey, we're going to be on a long car ride to the beach. So take this Benadryl. Yeah. Little did she know I was fucking hyper off Benadryl back in the day. Like, oh no, she made a fatal error. Yeah, my friend was like, (laughs) knock the fuck out. And I'm like, it's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, we had a great time in Buffalo. Uh, When I dropped Morgan off at the airport, I started playing boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye. (laughs) Oh my God. I was like, wait, I, this just song, this song's really sad. I'm like, but Morgan, I have a sense of humor. Let me exercise it. <laughs> uh, exercise but, those demons. Woo! Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I listened to music the whole way home, so I would like stay awake. <laughs> Nice. I like to yeah. uh, roll my hair up in the window. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that sounds super painful. Yeah, I did it once. It hurt. Uh, so I, I never bet. did it again. I was I like, bet. that was a bad idea. I thought my ponytail like in the window would be okay. No, it hurts. Don't do it. It gets the little hairs. Wait, wait, wait. You did that on purpose? Yeah, I was really sleepy. And I was like, well, maybe if I just roll my hair up and then I can't, you know, I won't be sleepy. <laughs> but little did I know, I still have to look in my blind spots. And I pulled my hair and it hurt really fucking bad. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. I'm just going to pull off the side of the road and go to sleep like a normal person. There you go. (laughs) I'm dying that you did that. (laughs) Yeah, I was on the way back from Mississippi and it was like a 13 hour drive and only had like two hours of sleep. I'm like, oh, I feel feel that. I drove the 19 hour drive from Mississippi to New York and one like mostly 19 hour car ride oh fuck I, that <clears throat> i dropped i stopped in ohio like right outside of cleveland and slapped what was that i think it was mark's controller hitting <laughs> something it Jeez. sounded like your house is about to fall down it sounded like a jackhammer. is someone oh. fixing your water oh it's not mark it's derek doing the water well, now's a great time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like the ants coming from the woods, like coming for you. Man, I told him I was recording too. Hey, well, well, when your water turns back on, you can make holy water. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you do that? 
Um, how do you do that, Morgan? You burn the hell out of it. I mean, you boil the hell out of it. You burn, you burn the devil out of it. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, we will see you guys for our next episode. All right, and on that note, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna leave you there before they start drilling in the basement again. Yeah, and uh, everybody, uh, read the book of the devil if you want. Whatever, go scare a nun. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that, but I mean, don't scare uh, a nun because she's a person. But crack open, crack stop. open that Necronomicon. What's the worst that's gonna happen? <laughs> Necronomicon. <laughs> I'll swallow your soul. <clears throat> the oldens are coming. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.